Thank you, Manny, Mackie, and Judd in our new time slot, 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock. And we've been getting all kinds of tweets and emails all day long. Yes, we hear you. Some people are not very happy that, A, we're not in the mid-morning slot, and, B, that we're running a lot of ESPN radio national shows. I would say, number one, you can't please everyone. And, number two, we have plans and ideas going forward here at 1500 ESPN, and we hope to be able to shine some light on those sometime in the near future. But in the meantime, here we are. Yep. Like us or not. Yes. <laughs> and we've heard from Where's Royce? I miss Such. <laughs> Sorry, people. We can't help you right now. Yeah. And you know, if you want to call and just like rip us to our ears directly, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. All right, let's go back to the most crucial and exciting moment in the Minnesota sports landscape yesterday, late in a key game. <laughs> When Williams Astadio deposits a two-run homer to win it in walk-off fashion for yes. the Twins, Derek Wetmore. Well, and I pointed out to somebody this today. I don't know if you guys knew this. If you track this advanced stat, but you know me, right? I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a nerd. I view baseball through that prism. Williams Astadio currently leads the Twins in this ratio. Are you listening? Walk-off winners per game played. He is by far hmm. and away... Because the Twins have a few other walkers. I think they're up to like a half a dozen on the year. They've only been walked off, I think it's like 659 times on the year. Yeah, they get walked off every other game. But Astadio is right up there at the front of that pack. He hasn't played a whole lot. This is his first. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, and he he finally caught, what, last week? Yeah, and I'm not sure how much we're going to see of him as a catcher going forward. Like, this isn't exactly a 2019 play. Yep. But he is a cult icon. He is the internet baseball Twitter's hero for playing basically every single position and uh, being built like a fire hydrant and catching behind the plate. So what's the mood here now? I, I have not been back up, out there since the whole Buxton thing took place, and I know that that despite the fact he was not up here, Derek, he was very popular with his teammates. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious about what the and it doesn't. It's not crucial, but I'm just curious what direction we've gone in. Since a guy, if if you screwed around with with Miguel and you sent him down or you didn't, I think guys were like, okay, that's fine. It's so no, he's sort of goofy. But when it comes to Buxton, what's the mood out there like right now? Yeah, I mean, it's down. It's understandably down too. I think you have to expand the scope beyond just the Buxton thing. Okay. But I will say, I don't think that was a real popular move inside the Twins clubhouse. Hmm. All right, there haven't been people coming out, you know, roasting the front office because why would you? You're ripping your boss to the media. What's the point? Didn't stop Irvin, Brian Dozier, a couple yeah. others. Yeah, and where are they going to be next year? Yeah, <laughs> working for somebody else. Well, Dozier would be contending for a World Series, you could say. But yeah, entirely possible. I just think that there's yeah, there's a certain amount of cachet you got to have in the big leagues before you rip your bosses. And the Buxton thing's probably not very popular in the clubhouse. If you went to the uh, the number of people that are in the clubhouse, even to the guys who directly benefited. I mean, Robbie Grossman is a direct beneficiary of this. Johnny Field, obviously. Jake Cave, maybe the number one beneficiary that people aren't really talking about that much. That's what the move comes down to, to me. It's a Jake Cave over Byron Buxton. Um, there are other factors, obviously. We've talked about them ad nauseum. But I think you'd go even beyond the Buxton decision, Judd, to answer your question on like the vibe or the mood in the clubhouse. It's down. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's over. There's nothing to play for other than your own personal self-respect, professional uh, you know, credibility, and some of these guys are auditioning for a job next year, so your resume is out on display every night. With all that being said, I, I don't think that uh, you could hardly blame anybody if they, on a, on a nondescript Royals 
September series, you came to work maybe a little bit less than 100% zazzed about your lot in life, as whereas like the Astros right now or the Oakland A's are coming to work. Every single guy on that club is fired up and ready to go. I don't really, when I take the temperature of the Twins clubhouse, I don't exactly sense the same thing going on. So, Derek, what is next for Buxton now at this point? Because we mentioned that the decision wasn't very popular and... Fad Levine came out and just said that there's we're gonna in so many words basically said we're gonna have to repair this relationship. Yeah. What is what is next for him this winter? Is he gonna play winter ball? What is what is what is the plan for him? Now? I don't know that. I, I I don't know the twins have come to an accord with Buxton on that yet, because that to me, man, is more than anything, he has to buy into whatever the plan is. You could say we'd like him to take some at bats in the Dominican Republic to work on his swing before he goes to Florida. But if he's like, nah, you can't you can't tell him to do that now. That's unworkable. So what does he want to do? do and do the twins even know that? I understand Paul Mulder's reached out, talked with him. What's the Derek Falvey sit down situation like? Are you gonna have him into town and just air it out? Closed door meeting with the agent, Buxton, the chief baseball officer, Levine. I don't know who else needs to be in that meeting. Are you gonna have that meeting? and figure out the plan going forward. Cause I've heard a number of people suggest uh, like j- kind of jokingly suggest the Arizona fall league or maybe more seriously to 20 year olds. See, and exactly. Byron, Byron Buxton. Buxton. Well. It, seek your level, I guess. But when, once you go figure out what's, is there a winter ball plan? Would you go play in Venezuela? Would you play in the Dominican Republic? I don't see the point of that personally. If, if he's not, if the wrist isn't healthy enough to get big league at bats in September, well, then do you want him playing winter ball or do you just say show up to Fort Myers healthy? My personal opinion, guys, show up to Fort Myers healthy, ready to rock, ready to never look back and, you know, sort of establish establish yourself as that superstar player. But I don't know that 50 at-bats in Caracas, Venezuela is going to make the difference. So the one thing I would caution, because I do sense a lot of people are out, Twins fans are just out on Byron Buxton, that it's... and. and it is a short attention span society we live in, and so you see a play, you see a quarterback for five minutes. I mean, I've already written Mitch Trubisky off. I'll stand by that, but we'll, but it's that that's how we judge we judge players very quickly now, right? There are two very similar examples in recent Twins history. Same position, guys who cooked at different levels of the minor leagues and then came up and couldn't figure it out, and the Twins wound up selling very low on these players, only for them to thrive elsewhere. Just keep these two guys in mind: Aaron Hicks and Carlos Gomez. Now, Aaron Hicks is 28 years old, and he's just now in the midst of his first full productive season in his big league career. He showed flashes with the Yankees a couple of years ago. Uh, actually, last year he had a great half season for the mm-hmm. Yankees. But this is the first year where he's going to play 130, 140 games. He's got 24 home runs. He's getting on base. He's playing center field. I mean, this is Aaron Hicks breaking out. But it took him until age 28 to break out. That's extreme. And Carlos Gomez, it took him five years of mostly failing and toiling in the major leagues to become an all-star caliber player with the Brewers, and then injuries kind of took their toll yeah. after he peaked for a few years. So so if, if you're out on Byron Buxton, just know that he will go somewhere else in all likelihood, and maybe it doesn't happen for two years, but he will produce on some level. Do you want it to be for the Twins or the, the Milwaukee Brewers or the Chicago White Sox? Yeah, different kind of players, different skill sets. I would I would add to that that Buxton absolutely has more upside than either one of those two players. Agreed. Right? At the time of Carlos Gomez, I remember it was 
rangy center fielder. He's got some speed. You don't always know where he's going to be throwing the ball, but like exciting, dynamic player, and there's some pop in the bat. It's a matter of if he puts it all together. Buxton's a better defensive player. He has a better arm. He is more accurate with that throwing arm. Byron Buxton might be one of the three best defensive players in all of baseball. So your starting point on him is already a starting caliber player. Now can he hit 200? That's the question. And I think that question, frankly, remains unanswered. He's done it for stretches in the big leagues. But if you're asking me, am I in or out on Byron Buxton? I'm in. I I don't want to see him go fix his contact issues somewhere else. Does he have things to work on? Absolutely. But I see still, despite this terrible injury-wrecked 2018 season, I see a superstar player in that package, and I wouldn't give up on that if I was the Twins. What should we make of the fact um, that Nick Gordon didn't get called up this month? Because that was an interesting one where he was at double-A and doing great, went to to triple-A and struggled, which I guess should not be a big shock, but... Phil and I on the old show definitely had conversations at one point in time about, you know, this could be your opening day second baseman in 2019. That appears to be much more of a long shot now. Yeah. Do we, so do we put... It's a hiccup, right? I mean, he just... I was going to say, do do we put concern about this or is this just the natural progression of of a kid? And in that, in that sense, in that sense, I will uh, side with the front office in saying there would be no need to call him up to fail. Right, like that—that that would make no sense. Well, to me. so if your question is, should the panic or should the well, I'm uh, just saying, I, I'm saying, populist panic, or will you panic? And in which no, case, no, I'm saying, should we slow down <laughs> yeah. on our expectations? So there is Forsyth going to be re-signed? Who who becomes your opening day second baseman in 2019? Yeah, so he, here's what I think about Nick Gordon, and it it helps answer that question that you just asked. It was like, I don't think he's ready to be the opening day everyday guy at either position, shortstop or second base. I mean, I I still think you'd hold out hope that he can maybe be a shortstop, but then again. I don't watch him every day, so so I haven't seen him, couldn't put my own assessment on that. I've just heard people openly question which side of second base is he going to have to play on, and most people say second base. Mm-hmm. Most people you talk to say he's, he's probably not a big league shortstop. But I think that this is a very clear indication that given the year he had in AAA and given the fact that he's not on the roster, and frankly, shouldn't have even been in consideration for a September call-up. He just didn't earn it in the minor leagues. And he's only 22. I'm not out on him. I think he's going to be a big leaguer. A good big leaguer someday, but I think you got to go out and find a second baseman this year. I think Jorge Polanco, good enough to be a shortstop. Maybe you play him around at second base this month just to see, hey, could you still handle this? Remember, he did it all the time in the minor leagues. He's he's probably good enough to be a big league shortstop. He's answered some of those questions, but you could do better defensively than Jorge Polanco. So maybe you go out and find somebody who can play shortstop, fill that spot for you next year on one of those short-term, maybe stopgap deal, one- or a two-year deal. Jorge Polanco's your second baseman, and then you're either keeping it warm for Nick Gordon or sometime down the line, Royce Lewis, and that's when you really get excited about it. What if Astadio just, what if Williams yes. just played both middle and field positions at the same time? Well, you'd need he some just, pretty just extreme second base, and he can just, just which, whichever way the ball goes, just yep, go, go that get way. it, Williams. So I, I don't think Logan Forsythe is as good as he's been with the Twins. Does that make sense? Like, I think he's playing quite a bit over his head, with that being said, he was pretty bad with the Dodgers. He really was. He really was. So he's kind of making up for lost time. But I think he's he's a lot better defensively than I would have thought. I, I thought he was just kind of like, eh, he's he's a. Before he went to the Dodgers, I thought he was sort of the same player as Brian Dozier, minus a little bit of power. And then he went and had a terrible run with the Dodgers. He was awful. They threw him in as like a salary dump in that move, and he's been better than Brian Dozier. Well, 
I don't know how much of that sustains. Like in 2019, is he going to be a 300 hitter and hitting at the top of a lineup in contention? I don't personally think so. There's just too long of a track record for me to say that and feel confident about it. But he's been, for my money, better than Brian Dozier defensively, and I think that counts yeah. for something. So you'd consider it, but I, yeah, man, if you're trying to build a contender next year, I think you set your sights a little bit higher than that. Yeah, going into the season, I we were all pretty sure the Twins were gonna Twins were gonna compete for a playoff spot. I was in uh, Phoenix just visiting my dad over the weekend and at a Hubbard Digital Summit, and I, so I watched a bunch of Diamondbacks games at night on TV. Okay, raucous crowds. They're sitting there just fighting day after day for the next month for a playoff spot. Eduardo Escobar, and, and I and, and he's become That's a popular guy. player in Phoenix. I miss that vibe so much. You had it. Last year and for a little bit a couple years ago, but they haven't played a home playoff game at Target yeah. Field since the opening season. And yeah. So we're all like getting to be almost a decade between home playoff games at Target Field. Yeah, and I was at the wild card game last year in New York, and I remember thinking, like, this place is kind of amped for it. But, I mean, it was the Yankees. The expectation is, even when they fall down 3 nothing, their expectation in New York is, we're breezing past the Twins, bring on the American League Division Series. And I remember thinking to myself, what if this game was at Target Field? Can you imagine what that atmosphere, what that energy would have been like? Especially, they go up on Seve early, they're up 3 nothing, and you're thinking, oh man, Division Series! And Sid's yelling things in the press box at Joe. Yeah. Hey, what Mr. do you think of him now? It's Mr. Panic. Hey. It's Mr. Panic. What do you think of this team now? Oh, oh. You bleep. I wonder what Sid thinks of the new time slot for you guys. Have you talked? Have you consulted him about that? I could say a lot of things right now, and I won't say any of them because I'm too classy. <laughs> oh, that's that's the one word that we think of. Because <laughs> I am, classy. I am just a class. Rise act. above it, Judd. Uh, what can people find from you on 1500ESPN.com right now? I got Derek, five thoughts column, and maybe a little bit early, Phil. I don't know if this is going to fit your sensibilities, but I've got the ballot for Twins MVP for 2018. You might think it's pretty easy. You might think it's an open and shut case, but I. I think I could actually make the case for three different guys could be potentially deserving of that MVP award. Go I will, TC Bear. I will spoil it. I, he's my I guy. had a down year right here in the I, uh, home run. Oh, derby. he's not been good. I went with Eddie Rosario, but you could make a case for a number of guys, and I kind of want to hear what listeners and what readers have to say about that too. So that's my current five thoughts column that's up on the website. Cool. That's Derek Wetmore. You can follow him. We also have our Touch Em All Twins podcast uh, updated on a regular basis. So subscribe wherever you would find podcasts and 1500ESPN.com.